out of the family line of Abraham's son Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah's daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and the two peoples from within you will be separated, and people will be stronger. one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out and with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for a wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of the red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, First sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, Swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil soup. He ate and drank and then got up and left. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. The first thing I'm thinking is like, you sell your birthright for lentil soup? <laughs> At least for like some beef stew or some, some lamb uh, stew, but uh, for beans, for a bowl of beans. Um, so, ooh, sorry. So Abraham passes away. Uh, we, we shared a little bit last week how uh, a lot of scholars believe that he didn't really possess anything other than the grave that he had bought by the end of his life, but that he had incredible faith to believe in God for God's provision. And so he would not let Isaac go back home. He had to stay there. Even though Abraham had not fully realized the fruition of the promise, he had such faith in God, he made sure that Isaac stayed put. He made sure, communicated to the household, to the leaders, to Isaac, you gotta stay on track. You gotta stay in the fold. You gotta stay here. The promise and God's blessing and, and the father of many nations, at this point Abraham is not a father of many. Um, and so, uh, fully realizing that the promise for Abraham was not just for him, but for his family. And so what Abraham was doing was not just for him, but for his family. And so the calling on your life is not just for you, but for those that come after you. Uh, I remember watching a movie, and it was talking about like, end of the world, and and uh, uh, you know we have to preserve this line in humanity and and basically uh, uh, there was a pivotal moment in the movie where this idea of saving humanity right this big glorious kind of mission but when it came down to it really for anyone the light of sight was just the next generation 
it was hard for anyone to see beyond their own, like immediate, you know, our, our own immediate children. It's hard for me to see beyond what God is doing in me and my child. Um, but for Abraham, he knew. He knew that what God had for him was not just for Abraham, certainly, because at the end, when he realized not, not much had come to fruition of what God had said, he could have said, all right, fine, you know, it's time to, you know, uh, uh, take matters into own hands. But Abraham had faith to believe that God had something greater, even beyond him, even beyond his son. Um, Abraham is mentioned 70 times in the New Testament alone. He is one of the most important uh, men, uh, persons in the Bible. In the New Testament alone, 70 times, only one person is mentioned more, uh, uh, which is uh, Moses, 80 times, uh, as far as the Old Testament. Um, the picture of e Jacob and Esau being born, Jacob, uh, uh, it says that he was, uh, he dwelled and hung out around the tents, you know, uh, he, he's good at cooking, you know, some stew, while Esau was a hunter, a man of the, you know, open field and country, um, you know, so, I mean, I think, without reading too much into it, you know, Esau was like a man's man, like to go out very hairy, you know, I, I guess you have to be, you know, physically attuned to be able to hunt and have that skill. Jacob, it says he liked to be around the tents, you know, be, he's a homebody, uh, uh, probably good at, you know, uh, other things, relationally, communicating, um, and, and, you know, I don't know, Jake, uh, uh, Jacob's more like, more like my kind of guy. Um, so he comes back, uh, Esau comes back famished and hungry um, to the point of death, you know, had expended himself uh, a great deal going hunting, uh, probably didn't come back with much. Um, and so it wasn't uncommon to, you know, almost to the brink of complete physical, uh, uh, you know, being drained. And so he comes back, he's starving, and uh, he asks for some food. Uh, Jacob says, you know, here, give me some of that red stew, I'm famished. Uh, Jacob then, I think he's sharp, he's quick, relational, uh, uh, well-versed in, in communication. He says, first, sell me your birthright. He sees an opportunity. He sees an opportunity. In one sense, you can look at it as taking advantage of his brother, sure. Um, but if you understand the birthright, you'll understand why Jacob is, you know, going after it. Um, the birthright ensured both. It was, it was a blessing of both material and spiritual dynamic. So it wasn't just material blessing. It wasn't just, you know, physical and money. Uh, you know, God calls Israel, God, I'm saying God calls Abraham. There's a, there's a, there's this unction, there's this weight, there's this dynamic, uh, there's this presence, there's this, I guess you could say favor, right? Anointing or favor before they knew it was called anointing or favor. And so it wasn't just a material blessing, but it was also spiritual anointing, favor, blessing. Uh, it also meant you got a double portion, a double portion of the inheritance. It also meant that you'd become the head of the family, which meant that you'd become the spiritual leader. 
but more importantly, it meant that you would become the inheritor of the covenant, which over and above any material and you know sort of favor, it meant that you would get land, that you would be the father of nations, and then eventually the Messiah. I mean, if you're talking about history and legacy and name, I mean, it's, it's off the charts. Um, and so what I love about this picture about Jacob and Esau, and you guys have probably heard this a lot growing up as kids, this idea of there's two, you know, you guys have heard it, like there's two dogs inside of you, right? I think I heard it recently in a sermon. Two wills, you know, inside of us. Uh, which one is stronger? You know, if you, you know, grow up watching cartoons as a kid, I remember there's a angel on one ear and then the devil on the other. So which one are you going to listen to? Right? Which one are you going to obey? It's, it's the one that you feed. Right? You guys have heard that. It's the one that you submit to and surrender, surrender to. Right? So I just, I just, when I see this picture, it's just like Jacob and Esau. Two wills, you know. The prophecy at birth is that there are two nations being birthed. Um, and so which one's going to be stronger? Which one's going to win out? A uh, couple, couple ideas here. One, I think... Um, you know, it's easy, I think, in this context. Today, we value all different types of values and gift sets and abilities and, 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 and you know, styles and things. But, I, you know, I, back then, man's man is what you wanted to be. I could see Jacob growing up as a child, just like, oh, I don't have these gifts. I don't have these tools. I don't have these abilities. You know, why did God make me in this way? Esau is always out there leading people you know, beating people, winning competitions out there in the countryside, like everyone aspires to be. Um, and all I want to say about this is, just as an encouragement, is you may be a particular way, right? You may think a certain way or grown up a certain way. You may feel like others have certain strengths that you don't possess. You may have asked at times, why am I like this? You may have wondered, why has God put me in this position? And I just want to encourage you that God knows what he's doing. That God can use anyone so long as we are faithful and believe in him. And so I would say in this context, uh, Jacob is always coming in second his whole life. Um, but trusting and believing and having faith in God, ultimately it's God who promotes. Right? You have to remember that. I, I, I try and say it all the time in EMP. But I know that it doesn't always get translated. You know, I have this experiential knowledge, I have this teaching knowledge, and, and I put it in sound bites, but it doesn't always come across. And I, and I always say things like, uh, you know, God is the one who promotes. And I always use Daniel, Moses, and Joseph as examples. And, and all you need to know about Daniel, Moses, and Joseph, and you can add Jacob to that list, is simply this, that God is the one that promotes. Right? You know, for those in the marketplace, right? We're always trying to figure out ways uh, 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 to, to promote. Um, and in the marketplace, it can be incredibly challenging, you know, to not cut corners, to not fudge the lines, to not just practice. I've heard this phrase before, oh, it's marketplace practices. Yeah, but is it ethical? You know, it's, it's, it's white lies. Yeah, but is it legal? And so I, I know tons of Christians who will blur those lines because they're trying to promote and get you know, into the positions of authority and leadership. 
in, in the marketplace. And this is all you need to know. This is, this is all the encouragement we need this morning is God is the one that promotes, right? Man is the one that demotes, right? Man demoted Moses. Man demoted Daniel. Man demoted uh, Joseph. They put him in prison. They, they had a decent position and, and man puts them down, right? Demotes them. But they continue to remain faithful, ultimately, first and foremost, to God. And then God is the one that promotes. So that's how Daniel becomes second in command. Uh, uh, Joseph becomes second in command, prime minister, right? Moses goes from something to nothing, and then God promotes him into the head of a whole nation, right? And the people of Israel. And so I think one thing for us to learn scripturally is don't worry whether your boss whether your finances, whether your company, whether your firm, whether your director sees you or not, the one you want to worry about is if God sees you or not, right? Does God see you? Does God see that what we're doing is pleasing to him? And then God is the one that promotes. Even if man or boss or job or industry demotes, God is the one that promotes. So then, really then as believers, our focus is just to be faithful and obedient to what God calls us to in this particular season. And you can rest assured, guaranteed scriptures, God is the one that sees, God is the one that promotes. Amen? That's good stuff, man. Right? Whatever God gives us, we're faithful to God in that season for that one thing or two thing or three. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not your boss, it's not your industry, it's not the economy, it's God. God is the one who chooses to promote and to advance. And so in this case here with Jacob and Esau, you know, God had a plan. <clears throat> God is the one that's going to promote Jacob. Um, and so Jacob understands the value of the birthright. Esau is starving. Here's, here's another layer. <clears throat> Esau is so hungry. We all, we all know that feeling, especially during the fast. He's so hungry. He's so hungry, right? Tunnel vision, right? I mean, I mean, you can't blame the guy. I, I, I've been in this, we've all been in this situation, right? God's doing all these things, but certain basic needs aren't being met. Met All of a sudden, all the things God is doing, the, the long-term vision, eternal perspective God has given, God is the one who promotes not... All of a sudden, and we've all been there, if we don't get enough rest, emotionally, physically, if we don't take care of ourselves, diet, health, you know, that's just outwardly. If we're not feeding our soul, if we're not like living and dying on God's presence and God's word alone, if it's other things that we need in addition to God's word and God's presence, you know, we're, we're in for a whooping, you know, a, a tough lesson. So this is what happens to Esau. All of a sudden, all the things that's going on, all, all the perspective, all the long-term vision, all the other things, got, all of a sudden gets tunnel vision and all he can see is, I need to eat now. I need to eat right now. This, like, nothing means nothing if I don't get some food right now. Interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. Um, prophetic Siri. <laughs> right? So I'll just throw out something. What is, what if anything is, is, is tunnel vision for you right now? 
what, if anything, like, like if you were to have an out-of-body experience, right? Sam steps out of Sam. Sam looks at, you know, like in the movies, you're like this hovering goat. And you're looking at Sam and you're looking at, like, what would you say to Sam? What would you say to yourself? Hey, I think you're a little bit of tunnel vision right now. I think, I think a little bit of like one track mind, like, like, like this or, or, or bus kind of a thing. Cause that's where you saw that he's, he's, he's lost track. He's, he's disoriented. He's got one singular need and one need only. And it's physical. It's a physical need and a physical need needs to be met. And so tunnel vision loses sight. Jacob sees the bigger picture says, all right. All right, give me a birthright. Um, material blessing, which comes with the spiritual blessing, the double portion inheritance, head of the family, spiritual leader, inheritance. How does something so insanely valuable get relegated to one meal? You know what I mean? How does that happen? Um, the scripture says that Esau gave up his birthright um, for exchange for a, a red stew of lentil. The scripture says that Esau despised his birthright. He despised his birthright. The birthright, in other words, meant nothing to him. The birthright meant nothing to him. The birthright, in fact, was like some sort of blockage to him. What God wanted to bless him with, what Esau could not see, became a burden. He despised the birthright. What? The blessing of God over your life? The plans of God in your life that, that to be fair, have not come can become a burden and something that is despised? Well, the scripture says Esau despised the birthright. In, in, other words, in other words, what it means is Esau had no faith in God. To despise the birthright for all that it's worth and value eternally, it basically means he was short-sighted. He could not see the value of the promise. The promise, which at this point was nothing but a word. At this point, the promise was nothing but a word. And he had no faith in God's word. So therefore, he despises whatever it is that God said he would do. And so, um, let's, let's wrap up this morning. Let's uh, have the worship team come up. I'm just kidding. Let's have Brian come up. <laughs> right? So just two questions for you this morning. Right? I love how uh, Bob Sorge says it. I love how Pastor Benjamin says it. I wish I came up with it. Um, but, uh, you know, Pastor Benjamin says it's not a setback. It's a set up. Right? If you're in a position now where you're having a hard time seeing or experiencing the promise and you're going through certain difficulties and struggles... Don't look at it as a setback, but a set up, right? No matter how hard it is, no matter how challenging it is, believe that God is using this difficult season and time 
to set something up for you that is to come. Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Daniel, all setbacks in some ways, all without materializing, experiencing, but had faith. Uh, Bob Sorge says, uh, if you guys remember in one of our conferences online, you know, it's not a tomb, it's a womb, right? Jesus dies, goes to the tomb. Everyone thinks it's over. It's death, game over, failure. It's not a tomb, it's a womb. Some, God was birthing something new. And so I just want to pray that over you guys, right? If you're struggling or you've gone through hardships, we all have, I have. And the enemy is trying to tell you it's, it's the tomb. The enemy is trying to tell you it's over. The enemy is trying to tell you, you know, it's a setback, a setback from which you'll never recover. And all that is a lie. All of that is a lie. It's not a tomb, it's a womb. It's not a setback, it's a set up. But you gotta cling to the word. You can't cling to the circumstances. You can't cling to conversations. You can't cling to leadership. You can't cling to the economy. You gotta cling to the word. You gotta cling. If you're gonna double down and go for bust, go for the word. Put everything down on, on, on Jesus, right? Go all out, double down, triple down. I got nothing left, disciples, right? I got, I got, who else am I gonna go to? I gave everything up to follow you. Man, I'm doubling down. Man, I'm gonna see this thing through. Right, so two questions this morning, right? Are you living by faith or are you living by sight? Are you making decisions based off of what you need now? The hot, hungry red stew? Or are you making decisions for the promise that is not just for you, but for your kids and for the next generation? Are you living and making decisions by faith? Or are you living and making decisions by sight? Right? What's the difference? How would you know? And here's one more question. What's, what, what would it look like for you this week? What would it look like for you this week to make decisions or live with an eternal perspective and not a five-year perspective or a 10-year perspective? How would it impact your plans and your decisions if you were to shift it or adjust it Timeline, eternal perspective, right? Are you making plans eternally? Are you making plans five years or 10 years? What would it look like to adjust those plans? What would it look like for you to not despise your birthright? What does it mean to have faith in God's word, even if materially, physically, tangibly, not, not yet, not yet, but setting up, but setting up. Um, let's respond in worship and let's just give praise to Jesus who left and laid down and gave up everything for the hope, for the promise, for the joy set before him, the scripture says, he endured the cross. Jesus, for the joy set before him, he became nothing and endured the cross. What is the joy set before us? 
that we don't have now, it must be Jesus. It must be the eternal kingdom. It must be God. Let's reorientate our compass. Let's recalibrate our GPS. And let's get in alignment with faith, with the word. Let's go where God is going. And let's adjust our plans accordingly. And let's uh, give him praise and worship this morning.